Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I, I guess I am proud of what we've built as a whole. We went from bare bone rosters, a sport that really nobody cared about, to now having a team that has a very positive reputation on campus and off of campus that is successful, that kids are dropping time and leaving here with a great student athlete experience. I'm proud of that. And our guest this week is Cindy Eichler. She has spent more than a decade as the head men's and women's swimming coach at Division Three Cabrini University out in Radnor, also the director of aquatics and safety. Cindy, thanks so much for the time. Thank you. So to start, uh, what is the, for people that aren't familiar, uh, because swimming is kind of something you could do all year round, what is the season uh, for collegiate swimming? When do, what's the, the day range? Sure. So we start our, what I like to call mandatory season, right around mid-September. We have a 19-week season similar to basketball because we're a winter sport, just like they are. And uh, we start around mid-September and we wrap up around mid-February, occasionally going a little bit further into the postseason if we have kids that qualify. When you're not in the midst of a season, is it just like every other sport, recruiting, stuff like that? How much does the director of safety and aquatics take over in the off season as opposed to the the swimming coach what's the balance sure yeah it's definitely a balance and i think that it does ebb and flow with the swim season itself i try to put more of my attention and my efforts obviously between that september and february range into my team but outside of that time period i do have to tend and in and within it, I do have to tend to the pool. Um, I'm the certified pool operator, so I handle all ordering, maintenance. I was just in there today fixing something in the pump room. As far as director of aquatics, I oversee all of the lifeguards, um, other activities that happen in the pool and pool scheduling. And as the director of safety, I am responsible for making sure all of our athletic department staff is certified in CPR, AED, and first aid. So it is a balance and it can be tough sometimes when things pull you in either direction. But fortunately, about three years ago, uh, we brought on a full-time assistant coach that really helps um, that balance be possible. So what is your swimming origin story? When you were growing up, uh, I believe in the Harrisburg area, were you a, a swimmer at a young age? Did you do all different types of sports? Kind of where did it start for you? Um, I was not very coordinated on land. So uh, swimming was definitely something that appealed to me because I took a liking to it and had a talent for it pretty early. Um, I believe I started swimming around seven years old on a summer league team close to my house. And then probably when I was maybe nine or 10 had, you know, went into the club program of swimming, which is something that operates year round. So I started fairly young. There's certainly been younger out there, but um, started club swimming and had done that then from about nine or 10 all the way through high school. You obviously enjoyed it. Do you remember a time when you started to realize you were good at it? Like, was there kind of an aha moment you want to want to race or something like that, that it kind of, oh, well, this is fun. And, you know, people could notice this. 
Yeah, I mean, I I set some records um, pretty early on, just mostly at, again, summer club teams, um, racing them on the weekends with my summer team. Um, I'm not sure that I thought much of it at the time, but I think that that definitely motivated me to want to do club swimming then and get even better. Um, I didn't have parents that were pushing me. in a good way. So I kind of took it upon myself then to get more involved in the sport and, and get after it because I could tell that maybe I had something here and I was at least good at it. Um, if not, maybe sometimes great at it. As a youngster, what were the, what, uh, what events were you doing? Uh, you know, I mean, there's so many in swimming from a distance or type of swim. Uh, what were you doing early on? I swam butterfly. That was sort of my first, um, stroke that I probably saw the most success success with. Um, and then maybe when I was 11 or 12, I started swimming backstroke as well. And then those two strokes sort of became the pillars of what I swam through the rest of my swimming career. So how often as you're getting older, you mentioned on the weekends, you know, starting, do you hit a point as you're getting towards high school or in high school where you're in the pool every day and it starts to become, uh, I don't want to say a job, but kind of a way of life that it's just part of the routine of day in, day out? Yes, definitely. I mean, especially when I got to high school, I was practicing with my high school team and then driving straight over to practice with my club team. So there were times when I was doing up to three workouts a day, you know, weekends are usually taken up by whether they're dual meets or big invitationals where there's a lot of teams present, you're giving up at least six days out of the week, if not seven to the sport. So I definitely remember having moments where it felt a little bit more like a job than a activity or a hobby, but, um, it's like anything you go in waves, um, no pun intended. And, uh, you know, you have good periods with the sport and you have trying periods with the sport, but it always stuck with me enough that I wanted to continue no matter what. How often would you add another event or another style? You know, is that something where it's like you hit high school and it's kind of all thrown at you? Does a a coach say, hey, you can do this, so I think you could do that? What's the evolution as you kind of build your swimming resume? Sure. So definitely the coach that I had for my club team, which was EPAC, East Pennsboro Aquatic Club, Um, he pushed us to be proficient at every stroke. So when we would go into competitions, he wrote the lineup. You didn't have much of a say in it. You were always swimming a combination of three events. And then the next meet you were swimming a combination of the other three events that you could swim. So it did kind of force you to not want to (laughs) suck at any one event because you knew you had to do it. Um, in high school, I just tried to be there to swim whatever my coach needed me for. Um, Still was a lot of fly um, and backstroke, but occasionally sprint freestyle and IM, individual medley, and then definitely on relays and things like that. So I'm pretty flexible. I definitely get nervous doing events that I maybe didn't like as much or didn't feel like I was as good in, but I certainly wouldn't say no to a coach if they asked me to swim it. Did you have a favorite growing up, like not just because you had the most success in it, maybe, or maybe because you had the most success in it, but if you could only pick one stroke, what would it be? Um, I think butterfly growing up for sure. I mean, backstroke ended up kind of taking over a little bit and fly became secondary, but I think 
like you said, because I had seen success with that as young as eight years old, nine years old, um, that stroke definitely stuck with me the longest. You mentioned it sometimes it becomes like a job. Were you ever, were you able to swim just for fun? Like just go with your friends and not, and get out of that. I got to do laps. I've got to do this and just go and, and have fun in the pool. Or did you need kind of a complete disconnect to, to decompress? Um, I still had fun in the pool. I mean, growing up when you have a community pool that you belong to, um, you spend a lot of time there. And so even in my middle school years and high school years, I was definitely, you know, a pool rat and stayed in the pool long after practice ended in the summers and until I had to drive my younger sibling back home or until my parents came and picked us up. So, um, you know, we would go off the diving boards and play different games in the pool. So I think I was able to disconnect for sure and use it as a reprieve from, you know, the 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 drain and the grind of actually doing all the laps and, and the training. I'm curious, growing up or even now, do you, did you or do you do much swimming outdoors in lakes and stuff like that? And the reason I asked that as I, there was a small time in my life where I did 5Ks and I would go to the gym and do the treadmill and I would get to a point where I would feel like I'm pretty good. I can run, you know, almost three miles, come off the treadmill and feel pretty good. And I would go to run the race and like 200 yards in, I'm like grabbing my chest. This is so different. Is there a difference when you're in a non-controlled environment swimming as opposed to when you're in you know, a community pool or a school pool? Oh, for sure. I would really never choose to swim in a lake or an ocean even. Um, I know friends growing up did some ocean swims. My husband did um, occasionally down at the shore, but that is not something that has ever interested me. It's definitely probably because it's so much that I can't control. Um, I don't like that very much. So um, yeah, I would say it's incredibly different just with currents, with um if you're competing, you are getting pretty physical with the other athletes around you. So, um, no, thank you. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> so when growing up, do you start to think that you're going to be able to swim at the collegiate level? Like that, that's going to be something you're going to be able to take further than a lot of swimmers. Do you remember, a a moment like the first letter you got or the first time a coach reached out and what was that like? Um, yeah, it was definitely uh, a good boost for my self-esteem, starting to get contacted by uh, different colleges and universities. I was recruited by, you know, any a lot of Division three schools, uh, some of the state schools that are in the PSAC now, um, as well as some pretty small Division one programs. So, you know, had seen older girls go off to swim in college on my club team. And that was definitely an inspiration to think that if they could do it, I could do it. And I, I was really completely obsessed with the sport. I still am. And so it just felt like it was a natural next step to want to continue to do that in college. You go to Albright. Why'd you choose there? 
I liked the campus. I really liked the coach at the time. I had had a girl from my club team go to Albright and see a lot of success with her swimming, which is probably the one reason I even heard about the school. Um, So that kind of drew me there initially. And then when I was doing visits and had done some overnights with the team, um, I liked the atmosphere, I liked the vibe. Uh, It seemed similar to my club program, which we were all very, very close. So I think there was a part of me that was worried I would never find that again. And I think I I kind of felt like Albright captured that and it had what I wanted to major in. It was close enough to home that my dad could still come to every swim meet, which was important. He never missed one. So uh, it just sort of was the total package for me. Did you enjoy the recruiting process? You talk about no? <laughs> no. Um, I was actually so terrible with the entire college choice process. Um, when I get super overwhelmed and especially with such a big decision, I can tend at least at that age to shut down. So my parents were actually like forcing me out of the house to go visit schools. Um, so I found it pretty, it was kind of awkward to talk to coaches on the phone every night. Um, texting obviously wasn't a big thing then. And, uh, I wish it was, but, um, so I I think sometimes it got awkward again. I didn't typically feel that when I spoke to the Albright coaches, so I could tell the familiarity with them was definitely a sign that I could feel comfortable there and, and, and swim and enjoy my time there. I'll often talk to people about their, the transition when they go from high school to college, you know, what changed. And a lot of times they'll talk speed of the game from a purely swimming standpoint. Was there any transition or is swimming swimming just in a, in a different pool? I'm sure there were things getting acclimated to college and new group of people and stuff like that, but is swimming swimming like even senior year, high school, freshman year, college about the same. I think so. I think it it translates pretty well. Um, the structure of meets is different was the only thing, you know, it's not the same event order that you swim in high school. There's an entire um, other chunk of events that you don't get to compete in on the high school level. You would get to compete in them on the Y circuit or the club circuit. Fortunately, I had that experience. So I wasn't swimming any events that I had never swam before. Um, but I think for the most part, a pool is a pool and you know, blocks a block and you dive off of it and you compete no matter what. And you had a uh, success right away. I think you were named the the conference outstanding swimmer as a freshman. Did it feel natural? Like this is just the next progression of me, my career uh, as a swimmer. Uh, were you ever overwhelmed or, you know, did it all just kind of make sense? I think it kind of made sense. I definitely another reason I had been attracted to Albright was because I knew I could be successful there. I wasn't going to sit on the bench. I was going to be able to compete and score and hopefully be a top point scorer. And that was really appealing to me. So I think when it happened, it was sort of a realization of what I wanted to happen. So um, I was competing against a lot of fast women and uh, I was just lucky enough to you know, score the points I needed to for that award my freshman year. But um, I think it did feel pretty natural to step into that next phase of my swimming and uh, have the success that I thought I could have. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with Cabrini men's and women's swimming coach, Cindy Eichler, right after this. 
And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week is Cindy Eichler, head men's and women's swimming coach at Cabrini University. How much does a sport like swimming require you to be self-motivated? Because you're it in the pool. Coach can tell you something. And like in your role now, you can tell kids. But, you know, there's no, unless it's a relay, there's no teammates to to work off of. It's just you and you have to to put the work in. Does it it require to be more self-motivated maybe than some other sports? I do think so. I think you definitely have to be intrinsically motivated. Um, Like you said, when you're swimming, you're face in the water. You're not even, you know, it's not like you're on a court or on a field where you can shout out to a teammate. Um, If a coach is telling you to deliver with, you know, they want to see this percentage of effort, you know yourself better than anyone if you're giving that effort. And I think that a huge part of it is, is self-motivation to get to all those practices you need to get, but then not only to show up, but to really perform the way you need to perform to ensure that your competitions are going to be successful. What are some things that can throw off a race? I mean, obviously athletes love routine and you love certain things, but are there certain things, ways you hit the water, ways you hit the wall, little things that don't seem like a lot, but they can throw off your rhythm and your timing when you're, you, when you're battling the clock. Sure. I mean, even something as simple as losing your goggles when you dive in or having them fill up with water. I, you know, I've been there and I've seen people lose their caps nowadays with the technical suits that we have. I've seen suits rip when people are in the water. Um, you can miss a wall, so you're not getting any push off. There's definitely a slew of things that could go wrong that could dramatically affect your race, just especially depending on the length of it um, and how much time you're even going to be in the water. So trying to avoid all those things is uh, ideal for sure. So during your college career, uh, first team, all conference throughout your career mentioned outstanding swimmer as a freshman the team wins uh, several conference championships you win multiple titles it's an impressive resume does anything sit at the top of that list of accomplishments from your college days that you're most proud of um i think my senior year just feeling like I was a true leader of the team and we had brought on a really good freshman class. Um, We qualified with provisional NCAA cuts um, in many relays. And that was sort of really exciting to think that we might get an invite to the national championship. Um, But I like the dynamic of the team. So I, I think there couldn't have been a better year than my senior year, just enjoying the culture of the team, the level of competition we had, we were beating schools left and right, you know, in some of these things and dropping cuts or breaking records. And it just, it was a whole season of that. So, um, it definitely, you know, if you have to end somewhere, I felt like I definitely was able to end on a high note and it'll be the season I remember more than anything. Do you enjoy individual races or relays more? I mean, uh, in some relays, I had to go first anyway, so it becomes like a combination almost of an individual and a relay race. I definitely love relays. I love the idea that, you know, even though it can be pressure inducing that somebody is depending on me and I have to get it right for them um, and the other three girls. So 
I think I like relays just because of what you can put together as four people and um, what can be the result of that for sure. You mentioned you go first sometimes. If uh, you were asked, do you have a preference? First, second, third, fourth? Well, if I'm swimming in a freestyle relay, I'd probably like to go third, somewhere in the middle. I think Why? I swam. I don't know. I, I, I led off on the medley relays because I swam backstroke. So I didn't have a choice in that. So maybe it was the idea that I just really didn't want to lead off <laughs> another type of relay. And there's a lot of pressure going first and there's a lot of pressure going last. So if it was my reprieve from that pressure to go somewhere in the middle um, and to get a relay start out of it, which can give you a faster time, um, then I was taking that whenever I could get it. So we talk about all this success. When does coaching start to enter your mind? Was it always something that you thought you would want to pursue? Where does it kind of fit into the the mosaic of your career and your life? Sure. So I graduated in 2005. I ended up moving to Mexico for a year. I taught English down there um, and the TOEFL courses to in a city down in Mexico. Um, when I was getting ready to return home, the job at Albright for the full-time assistant was opening. I probably leaned into that more with familiarity. I had done a lot of work in the aquatics um, with swim lessons and that sort of thing. I obviously knew the sport of swimming, had a ton to learn about coaching, but felt like this was something I could handle coming back after a year. So I wouldn't say that coaching always jumped out as me out to me as a career path. I had been thinking of all kinds of things. I was a criminology major, um, trying to go into some type of law enforcement field. I toyed with getting my teaching cert, um, becoming an ESL teacher. You know, I was all over the place. So it wasn't until a few years into coaching, I want to say maybe three years as the full-time assistant at Albright, that we took a kid to the NCAA championships out in Minnesota. And it was sort of, you know, as cliche as it is like stepping out on that deck and seeing that level of swimming. Um, it kind of clicked that like, this is what I want to do. And I want to be here at this meet, you know, someday with a team of my own. So um, that's probably when it clicked for me. So it wasn't immediate, but it took a little while to figure out that that was definitely the path that I was meant to be on. What was the year in Mexico like? It was awesome. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I sometimes don't know why I came back. Um, <laughs> I had a great apartment. I lived with who ended up becoming my best friends. It was incredible. I, I, it was so out of the box for me. And I was very much a person who loved to stay in their comfort zone. So it was a big push to do anything like that. And I still think about that when I feel like I'm getting stuck in that box again. Um, and it's something I encourage like any college student that I run across to do. So um, it was incredible. It was a great experience. So you mentioned the full-time assistant job at Albright. And this is another question I ask a lot of coaches when they're young and specifically when they're young at their alma mater. Difficult to, I would imagine there were some young women you swam with as teammates you know, it's only a year later or so you're coming back and now you're in a authority figure. Was that a difficult thing to deal with that you kind of had to uh, compartmentalize relationships and maybe take 
uh, look at relationships differently and handle them differently? How big a challenge was that? Yeah. I mean, I think that I had that pretty under wraps. I was, I'm pretty good at, you know, this is my job and I have to do it to a T and, um, as much as I would like to be hanging out with my friends and doing things kind of outside of the swimming world with them, it just wasn't the time for that. So I think I handled it pretty well. I mean, I think maybe it was harder on some of the girls that were still there to wrap their brains around the fact that there just has to be a different line right now. Um, but that, you know, we can come back together that way in a few years. So I think it went smoothly, but I can totally understand. And I've seen it many times where it can be a a very big challenge. Did you, you mentioned going out on the, to the NCAAs and kind of seeing that. And, uh, did you enjoy the coaching the first couple of years as you're kind of learning what goes into it? Yeah. I mean, it was super eye opening for me. I, I, joke around with my athletes now that I, I think they think they know everything that we do. Um, but I wasn't even close. Couldn't have known everything the coaches were doing behind the scenes, all the details, the budgets, the, you know, everything that you have to handle. So it was a huge learning curve for me and to kind of realize that I didn't know it all and be open to the idea that there's so much for me to learn. So the first couple of years was just spent absorbing as much as I could from not only my head coach, but the other coaches in the department. Um, I like to check in with other sports and see how they run their programs too. So it was, that was probably the, the weirder situation was then becoming part of a department who had only known me as an athlete there. Um, but they were very welcoming um, in helping me take that next step for sure. What was the biggest thing that kind of blew your mind that you had to deal with as a coach? You kind of mentioned budgets, but I know there are all types of things that you never think about when you're dreaming about what it's going to be like to coach. Was there one thing that you were just like, I can't believe this is something that I'm, I have to deal with? Um, sometimes it's parents. Uh, <laughs> I joke around and say, hey, if, if they are quote unquote crazy sport parents in high school, they are still quote unquote, crazy sport parents in college. So sort of helping manage the parents was um, pretty eye-opening with uh, some what they wanted versus what we were able to give them. Um, I think also, you know, when you're looking in on it, and I can say this even as an assistant, I didn't know as well as when I became a head coach, but there really is this gray area. So you want things to be very black and white. You know, this kid mispracticed, they're off the team. This kid did this, see you later. But it's not that black and white. And there's so many factors going on with each individual athlete that helping them manage that um, however you can as a mentor, just an ally, um, somebody they can turn to. It was, it. I mean, it still takes me sometimes by surprise how much of my time and effort goes into that versus anything to do with the sport of swimming. What was the thing you loved the most about coaching when you first took over? What was the thing that made you think this is, this is it, this is what I'm going to do? I think helping, you know, these awkward uh, high school kids 
just realize their potential. And I really wasn't satisfied if we were only realizing it in the water, but seeing them excel in the academic setting, seeing them excel as just friends and teammates, um, just having that small part in their lives is so interesting. And I take it extremely seriously, probably almost too seriously that that sort of was it for me to kind of keep driving and feeling like at the end of the day, you know, maybe I'm helping somebody and, um, maybe somebody will remember something that I did for them or how I spoke to them. Um, that sort of became a big driving force for me. So I think it was six years you spend as the assistant at Albright, and then you you come to Cabrini. Was it a situation where the Cabrini job opened up and you thought it'd be a good fit? Or had you kind of hit the point where you were like, I think I am ready to take over a program and you went searching for openings? No, I didn't search for anything. (laughs) I think my head coach at the time, he knew that I was ready to take the next step. Um, I think he kind of felt like there was really nothing more that he could teach me or that I could learn. Um, Prior to 2012, when I did end up getting the job at Cabrini in 2010, I want to say I had visited Cabrini. It was a roundabout situation where my head coach at Albright got a call asking about his brother wanting to take the job at Cabrini. And he said, my brother's not going to want it, but my assistant coach, she is ready for that. And so I had come here and met the athletic director, uh, Joe Junta at the time and um, talked to him about coming on. But at the time it was only a part-time position and just financially speaking, it was never going to work. So two years later, I was, I guess, lucky enough to be in the exact same place doing the exact same thing I was doing. And they decided to make the Cabrini job a full-time position and they had reached out to see if I'd consider again coming and applying and interviewing. So um, the swimming world becomes pretty small, (laughs) I guess, like other sports. And um, that's what sort of brought me here was more, uh, I guess, other people putting me in the position to know that I could do it. Nervous when you take over? Super nervous. I mean, I'm coming into Cabrini, you know, I'm doing the research at that time in 2012, our men's basketball team was making a run at the national championship, you know, men's lacrosse is dynamite, uh, women's basketball, Jackie Neary's, you know, doing incredible things. So it was, it was nerve wracking and I felt like there was pressure and you could tell that the department wanted this team to change here and and become something better. So I knew that there was a lot of expectation there. So definitely nervous, still get nervous. Where did you start when you take over? What's kind of the, once you're in place, you've got the security key and you're sitting in the office, where do you start? I, so I had come on right after their season had ended in March Um, so I sort of put my feelers out to everybody that was currently on the team, but then also other kids at Cabrini that I knew were swimmers because I had recruited them at Albright and decided to come to Cabrini and weren't swimming. So I was just trying to collect as many people. We had really no numbers, um, as possible and get in touch with them early and, you know, kind of explain it's going to be different now. And a lot of things are going to change, hopefully for the better and and start to gain their trust. 
And uh, so I started with the team, the actual team first. Um, it was a little re- late in the recruiting cycle, but I definitely followed up with any recruits that had sort of been handed off to me and just tried to get the lay of the land of a completely different place. How much of a challenge is it, was it, you know, two different teams, men's team and a women's team? It's, you could make the argument, it's like having, it's being the head coach of two different programs. Yes, they overlap in a lot of ways, but it's still two different groups, two different sets of personalities, you know, probably a lot of times two different goals, stuff like that. How much of a challenge is that balancing, you know, two different groups? Um, it definitely is a challenge. And I think sometimes I, it's cyclical. So I think you see some success with your men's program and you're getting a lot of recruits coming and committing, and then that might stall a little bit. And then your women's program picks up. So it's trying to get the balance right at the same time to have two successful programs at once. Um, men and women are different (laughs) and, uh, They definitely, you know, I I think there's a case to be made for coaching them a little bit differently. I personally really like the overlap because I do think the differences really complement each other. I think that, you know, if, if I wouldn't want to coach one or the other, so I wouldn't want to only coach a men's team or women's team. I think it's the, the overlap and the, the, (laughs) the puzzle pieces that make up the bigger picture. And, um, so they definitely challenge you. It can become quite the family on a men's and women's swim team. And you probably are dealing with some different aspects of college kids that other sports are not dealing with um, that are only coaching one uh, sex. So, uh, but I like the balance. and I like the challenge of having them together. And like I said, I think the women provide more of a, dare I say, like stability responsibility, um, to the men's side. And I think the men supply the competitiveness, um, and just sometimes even the goofiness to kind of balance out, um, you know, when the, the women are like claws out. So, uh, it's, it can be challenging, but I like that dynamic the best. You mentioned cyclical. How tough is it when one groups up and one groups down and it's just one of those years for say the women, but the men are, experiencing success or vice versa and but you're all working together and you have to kind of deal with different dynamics within the same group but separate sides sure yeah i mean like i said it's not ideal and certainly here at cabrini we had many years of success as far as you know conference championships and runners up with the women and the men were sort of lagging behind. We just couldn't get the roster up. We, you know, we were really struggling. And then we sort of hit a middle ground where we were both seeing the same success at the same time for about two years. And now I feel like our men's team is, is on the rise and the women are hurting a little bit, but um, I kind of try to remind them that we are all in it together. Although they're two different teams and one team might be winning a championship and one team might not be, we do all train together and we travel together and men and women swim in the same lane together. So I think that you can attribute success to the team as a whole because you're being challenged in different ways by your male and female counterparts. So just trying, you know, swimming is a unique sport where you can see a lot of success as a team, but you can also see a ton of success as individuals. And it just doesn't happen to add up to a team championship. But if, if 
they're all dropping time and they're going lifetime best and they're breaking records. It's almost like, what more could you ask for? So I think there's so many little pockets of success to be found in swimming, whether it's from a team standpoint or an individual standpoint, that it's, it's those things that you lean on when you're in one of those cases where one team's, you know, doing a little bit better than the other. Time for another break on one-on-one. We will continue our conversation with Cabrini University head men's and women's swimming coach, Cindy Eichler, right after this. And we are back continuing our conversation on one-on-one with Cindy Eichler. She is the head men's and women's swimming coach at Division Three Cabrini University. You mentioned being nervous when you took over the job. How long did it take you to kind of exhale and feel like you're going to be able to do this? Sure. Well, I've been here 10 years, so I, I'm assuming maybe on year 11 that might happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think, oh man, I don't know. I, you know, there's days when I feel like I really got it. You know, I, I figured it out. I, I, I'm managing something really good here. And there's days where I'm like, you know, I have the imposter syndrome just like anybody else. So it probably took at least three years, two to three years to find my footing. Um, it definitely took closer to, I'd say five or six years to really get the culture part of the team much closer to where I wanted it to be and aspired it to be. So I think early on, you're trying to build up your numbers and sometimes you're paying the price then by not recruiting athletes that really fit what you want as like code of conduct or um, what you want your team to stand for. And, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. I think that after about five or six years, we really hit that other half of it. You know, we have the training part down. Now I think we have the culture part down and now it's about putting the two halves of the whole together. Uh, So I think the last couple of seasons, I've been pretty proud of the team, the way they carry themselves, who they are, how they represent themselves, and then obviously the work they've done in the water. So I feel a little bit less nervous that I'm probably on the right track. Now, the men's and women's, if I'm correct, you, those two teams were the first Cabrini teams to win championships in the new conference. I mean, that's, you know, that's like something nobody can ever take away. Like you're the first, no one's ever got to do that. That's got to be really cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool to say we were the first to win. And then we were the first to be runners up and then COVID hit. So now we're at least one championship away from men's lacrosse. <laughs> and uh, if my men keep it up, they can always stay one ahead of them, you know, with a asterisk, of course. So uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat to be involved and have, I felt like I had a big hand in helping to shape the swimming part of the conference and, you know, write the sport codes and things like that. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of new coaches, uh, much newer than I, that were taking over some of those teams. So feeling like it was almost something I helped to create was pretty awesome. And then seeing the success that the team could have, especially together at the same time was, was great. Uh, you said you didn't enjoy the recruiting process as an athlete. Do you enjoy recruiting as a coach? I think I, <laughs> I think that if I can get you here on campus and meet with you in person, I, I really like that. Uh, the phone just seems to be like an arch nemesis of mine. Like I said, I, I think texting works pretty well. Sometimes I think, you know, what do I actually have in common with an 18 year old boy? And like, what are we going to talk about other than the sport of swimming? But 
Um, I think when we can get families here and kind of show them who we are and what our rapport is like with our team, that's when I'm sort of in my best recruiting zone. Um, so that's sort of what we're always driving to do is get those on-campus visits or team overnight visits, that sort of thing. I'm curious, you know, in baseball, they're always looking for catchers. Um, obviously in football, quality quarterbacks. Is there events, strokes in swimming that are harder to recruit than others just because uh, there just seems to be a, a dearth of a certain distance or a certain type? Like, are there, are, are there things that are harder to find than others? I don't know that things are harder to find. I think some of the times, you know, what you love getting is somebody that's extremely versatile and strong in so many different um, not only strokes, but lengths, um, distances of stroke. So that's kind of the pinnacle of what you're looking for. And there's definitely been years where I feel like a lot of uh, the, the team that I have is really boxed into just a couple of events that they can do really well. Um, you know, once you start to build a team with that versatility or kids that are even willing to try something brand new um, because they can see a need for it on the team, that's when you you know, are going to see your most success. So we've had a lot of luck with our distance kids. I love getting the distance swimmers in. I think they're sort of an anchor of what we're doing, but freestylers are, you know, they're on every relay and uh, they're needed. So uh, we haven't gotten to the point where I'm going to turn anybody away if they only do a certain um, event or two, but I try to tell them that they don't have to be pigeonholed into one thing and college affords the opportunity to try new things. And I've seen kids have success with events that they've probably never thought they would swim. So I, I don't know that it's hard to recruit any one thing, but I think the versatility can be hard at times. Are there hot spots for recruiting swimmers? Like are there areas that just have, you know, feeder programs that will be at the top of the list anytime you kind of open a recruiting class a, B, and C, you'll you'll work at you'll look at these places and then go from there? Yeah, fortunately, I mean, Delaware County is a hotbed for swimming, part of District 1. Uh, district 1 is an incredible district, and in, in, so we're lucky to actually be in the state of PA. PA has um, extremely fast swimming. So um, we have a lot of ties to local teams and local high schools, uh, which I think has helped, and we now have a lot more kids on our rosters that are local. And uh, I love that, um, seeing them want to stay close to home or close enough to home and, um, you know, get to pull from that is awesome. So I think PA is great, especially Eastern PA. Um, Southern New Jersey has a lot of fast swimming. So everywhere that Cabrini is basically pulling their students from, we're lucky that that happens to be good areas to pull for swimming. Your decade plus as head coach, what are you most proud of to this point? I... I'm proud of, I, I guess I am proud of what we've built as a whole. When I came here 10 years ago, I wouldn't even say there was a foundation. So there wasn't even a crumbling foundation. There was just nothing. I mean, everything essentially had to be created from scratch. And I think sometimes I forget how tough that was. Um, you know, it's, I'm just a person like probably many coaches that are never quite satisfied and always looking to the next level, next thing. But I think overall to say we went from, you know, bare bone rosters, a sport that really nobody cared about, um, just no accountability within the team itself to now having a team that has a very positive reputation on campus and off of campus that is successful, that 
kids are dropping time and leaving here with a great student athlete experience. I'm proud of that. Do you still, how often do you swim yourself these days? <laughs> like never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I joke that if I jump in the pool, all the water will come out. So we want to avoid that. Um, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. So the only time I'm really in a pool now is playing with them. I think about getting in. It's certainly like one of the best exercises any human can do, but uh, it's hard for me to forget um, or put aside, I guess, my past swimming and realize I'm not that swimmer anymore. Um, so I always tell myself maybe I'll get back in the water soon, but I think that's just something I say. Cindy Eichler, this was so much fun. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Cabrini University head men's and women's swimming coach Cindy Eichler for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about. <laughs>